Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And I'm going to try and keep the intro short and sweet on this one because it's kind of just a a conversation episode with Jacob, Jeff, and I. So I'm sure like many of you guys do, you, you know, you sit around with your buddies and, and talk hunting, talk conservation, that sort of thing. So that's kind of what this one is. So we talk about, uh, you may or may not have seen, the ODNR is running a a fishing license commercial and, and what that, you know, what the good things that come out of you buying a fishing license, whether you fish a lot or, or fish a little. And then Jeff also went on a, a rafting, a whitewater rafting trip in West Virginia and, you know, some of the extra fees that they charge on there for conservation and and that sort of thing and just our thoughts around that so it's it's just kind of a a conversation episode a a sitting around kind of shooting the bull pontificating on these sorts of things much like i'm sure you guys do with uh you and your buddies or or your brothers or, or whatever the case may be so that's what the episode is we'll get into that in just a second first i want to talk about our sponsor mastin's deer scent so Mastin's is a high-quality scent product. Like you've heard me say in the past, they collect their scent on stainless steel. A lot of other companies are collecting on concrete, and you can get off off scents, off flavors, if you will, from concrete. The other thing that's really nice about Mastin's is it's a premium product, but it's actually cheaper. So Tinks, everybody knows Tinks, right? Tinks number 69, Doe and Rut. A four-ounce bottle from Cabela's is $24.99. A four ounce bottle of full estrus scent from Mastin's is $12.50. So it's a premium product, it's cheaper, and it helps support the podcast. So what could be better, right? So check them out. If you're interested, if you if you use scents, if you want to try some scent this season, check them out. Get ready to hunt with Mastin's. There'll be a link in the description for their website, which is www.mastinsdeersense.com. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? So, so to get on topic here, yes. Um, have you guys seen these commercials that the ODNR has for like buy a fishing license? Have you seen I, them? I almost never watch TV, so no. Like I go day, I think, we go days without turning our TV on, so I'm I'm kind of the wrong guy unless they're unless they're showing them on YouTube. But yeah, I haven't seen them on YouTube. They might be I showing them on YouTube. Seen them. I think I've seen them, but I can't like picture the exact commercial. Yeah, but I they, don't know. They play them a lot during uh, Indians games, so I figured you would have seen them, Jake. I'd probably seen them, but I also stream my cable like through YouTube TV, so I might not get the same commercials. Mm, yeah, yeah. Can you can you describe the commercials for us that have not seen them? Yeah, yeah. I tried to find them like on YouTube to so I could send them to you guys, but I couldn't find them. But they basically just talk about, you know, buy a fishing license. This is all the great things, you know, that buying a fishing license does. You know, they talk about how Lake Erie's been cleaned up and that was all due to fishing license sales money and that it's a great you know, thing to get the family outdoors and that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was, I was very happily surprised when I saw the commercial. Have you ever seen any other like DNR commercials on, on anything, you know, camping or anything? I don't think so. No, I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I've, I've seen like YouTube videos that are kind of ads, that are on the ODNR's YouTube channel right. that, you know, they're sending out a, a, a tweet or an Instagram that, you know, says, you know, here's what's going on with whatever. 
you know, and, you know, say, I don't know, pawpaws are becoming ripe. And then it's like a little ad about pawpaws and like where to find them. I had my first, so this is a tangent, but you mentioned pawpaws. I had my first pawpaw, I think a year ago, a guy brought them in and, uh, have you guys ever had a pawpaw? pawpaw no, no, no. Yeah, I, I've never had a fresh one. Like, I've had pawpaws in things, but I've never just had a piece of pawpaw, like, fresh. It's it's bizarre. Like, it grows locally, but it's, you know, it's a native native uh, tree, right? It's, a, it's native yeah. to Ohio. But it is very, like, tropical in flavor like almost mango-esque yeah well i mean it is it's it's ohio's only tropical fruit oh i didn't know that yeah as a tropical fruit so it tastes tropical guys out to the property because dad seems to think that i have a pawpaw tree i don't know if i do or not but he says that's what it Mm -hmm. is he's like these are those things they have down at the cabin no there aren't any not that i've seen any pawpaws down at the cabin. What he's probably thinking about is the Bradford pear. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Which is an invasive. Kill it. So we'll have to look at it. Yeah. If it's a pawpaw, that's cool. They got a big, um, like probably the size of a half dollar or something, the, the seed, but it's not like a, it's not like a, a peach pit where it's thick. Like it's kind of, um, it's kind of like a, a bean, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's uh. Now I feel silly that uh, it's Ohio's only tropical fruit, and I was like, you know, it tastes like a tropical fruit, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does taste like a tropical fruit. So I understand why they call it Ohio's only tropical fruit. Okay, I got us off topic on pawpaws, but so you've seen some sort of youtube-esque ads but this yeah this um, is the first tv ad i've ever seen i mean maybe i've seen camp camping ads like you know visit one of ohio's state parks yeah maybe like a couple of times you know when the local channels used to have hunting shows you know like as a kid back in the day yeah, yeah. Like, and they had the True Motion Lure commercials on? Yes, yes. The True Motion Lure yeah. infomercial, yeah. There you go. During, during the True Motion Lure infomercial, <laughs> they during may have been era. ads, yeah. <laughs> well, how long oh, ago man. was it they were running those ads that were like, take me fishing or whatever, like kids about their dads or whatever? Those weren't too long ago, were they? And I don't know if that I was mean, an Ohio-specific thing, but... I sort of feel like that was a Michigan. Years ago, wasn't that a Michigan thing though? Isn't I mean Michigan? Either way, that's yeah. So either way though, my argument is why. That's kind of what I was thinking though. Like that you see these pure Michigan ads. Like why doesn't Ohio run? I mean Ohio has good picturesque wildlife, just like Michigan does. I mean I was just in Michigan on a vacation um, over on the west side of the state. And it's beautiful over there. Don't get me wrong. But there's parts of Ohio that resemble that. Well, I think they might run those ads in Michigan. And Michigan runs those ads in Ohio. That could be. tourism, that could be. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, there is, I don't know what, isn't it Find Yourself in Ohio now? Isn't that there? You know, it it used to be Ohio, the heart of it all or whatever. Now I think it might be Find Yourself or... I think it's find yourself. I could be completely wrong with that. I'm sure somebody will write in and tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so it's a it's fishing, get a fishing license, all the good do they talk about like Dingle Johnson and the and the funding that comes out of that? That's like the Pittman Robertson for fishing, right? It's a no. federal No, no. They, this was more I mean, it, it kind of led you to, like, you know, buy a fishing license, even if you're not going to fish, because of all the good things it does. I see. You know, and this was just, uh, I don't know, a 30-second 
yeah, yeah. spot. You know, it's just an average commercial. Right. But it kind of blew me blew me away. You know, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to if they're going to do something similar with hunting licenses. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the hunting license does the same thing, but for, you know, your your wildlife, your your I don't know, your four-legged wildlife, your game birds, your you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I'd, I'd sure like to see that, but I kind of doubt it as well. I mean, because things a little more contentious. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't really necessarily know why, but if you think as kids, I mean, like in middle school, we had that get hooked on fishing, not on drugs. Yeah. Which was sponsored by the ODNR, but they didn't, you know, they didn't do anything with hunting. Right. You know, and fishing, they, they do a lot to, to, you know, for youth and fishing. You know, there's a lot of the park districts have youth fishing ponds that yep. are sponsored or helped paid for by the odnr yeah so i can i'll give the odnr one for free here this is what it can be it can be shoot deer not heroin (laughs) 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 i think i'm on to something yeah okay yeah maybe uh i don't know what kind of uh uh, public perception you'd get out of that but Cook wild game, not meth. Right. We're <laughs> on to something here. Yeah. This is the reality of it. Oh, okay. I like this this brainstorming <laughs> yeah. session here. We need to, to, to definitely write these down and send them to the ODNR. So there you go. Maybe we need to trademark them first. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that I mean, I would love to see... That's encouraging, I guess. Even if it is just fishing... I mean, fishing, buying a fishing license, it does a lot of good for our waterways here in Ohio, Lake Erie, you know, our our fish species, which, you know, affects some of your bird species and things. So so it's all good. I would love to see more of that uh, public-facing promotion to, to change the perception of of the non-hunting public of the hunters in their community. I think we as hunters can do a better job of that, but I would love to see the Division of Wildlife and the DNR sort of have our backs on that. Not that they don't have our backs, but they've kind of been quiet, right? I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I've talked to people in the past, you know, that I've worked with that, that didn't grow up hunting that don't have family that hunt and they didn't even realize that there are game laws that you know there's a season where you can hunt deer you know they just thought you just went out and shot a deer whenever you wanted right so sort of highlighting the good that that the hunting community does because unfortunately the a lot of the only exposure that a lot of the non-hunting public has or or the only image of the of hunting that the non-hunting public has is of the stories that make the news cycle which are oh poaching ring broken up or man caught you know in some sort of um right. getting hunter in trouble sh- yeah hunter shot during yeah. deer season yes yeah. And so it's all it's all negative, right? It, it's yeah. newspaper articles, it's news stories, and it's negative images of hunters and the hunting community. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it so, would definitely be really nice for the ODNR to, you know, do things to, what's the word I'm looking for? Attract the casual hunter. Yeah. Be- because the casual hunter is the ones that are, dying out if you will right the the diehard hunters are are sticking around you know there's just as many you know diehard hunters now as there was in the past at least by my perception yeah but the the casual hunter who 
you know, goes out opening day of dove season every year with his, you know, with his whole family or, you know, maybe goes rabbit hunting on Thanksgiving or whatever, you know, and they're just hunting a few times a year for small game. Those people hardly exist anymore. Right. Right. And that used to be, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't know. I don't have facts to support this, but it feels like, you know, the things you read, the stories you hear from your, you know, your parents or your grandparents is like, that was commonplace. You know, you maybe didn't identify as a hunter, right? Uh, Whereas like, I think, you know, the three of us would definitely say I'm a hunter, but you hunted, if that makes any sense, right? Like, Hey, we're going out, you know, we're going to, you know, try to get some rabbits. Yeah, I'll come along, you know, it, but it wasn't like you didn't eat, sleep, breathe hunting. You know, it was just right. like part of life, I guess, you know, is uh, we're going to go shoot some rabbits or we're going to go, you know, try to bump a deer and, you know, or, or whatever, you know, we're going to go hunt. And if you want to come along, yeah, sure. Sort of thing. Buy my hunting license. I'll, you know, I'll see you tomorrow sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I would agree, though, that that doesn't happen anymore. Or well, I, not, feel yeah. like, I feel like part of it, too, and I don't know what's causing this, but I feel like hunting has become much more solitary than it ever used to be. Yeah. There's not guys getting together to hunt anymore. You know, your family tradition of, like you said, rabbit hunting on Thanksgiving or dove hunting opening day. I mean, yes, it happens. There's guys that do it. There's still groups of guys um, you know, probably more in the waterfowl world, you know, the duck hunting and whatever. Um, but it's just like, it's not, I mean, we're in the minority that gun week for us is more of a group effort than a solitary sit in the woods by myself. And I think that's probably with the rise of bow hunting because bow hunting is much more solitary, mm-hmm. but like the days of, you know, getting, the dogs out and running dogs and hunting, whatever, you know, it's just, it's, you don't hear about it anymore. At least I don't. I never hear, I never see anything about guys getting together as a group and enjoying the camaraderie and the hunting. Yeah. And that, that may also have to do with the decline in upland game birds. You know, you don't see as many pheasant or grouse or, you know, quail, any of that anymore. You know, all those populations have greatly declined. So if there's not anything out there to hunt, there's no hunters hunting them. Do you think there's, do you think there's possibly a contribution to that from the hunting media, if you will? What, you know, if a guy wants to, see what hunting is all about and sees a hunting show on TV, right? It's a guy by himself in a tree, typically. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I guess I don't know where I'm going yeah. with that. But. Well, I think part of it, too, and again, not that there's anything wrong with this or that I disagree, but just the reality is uh, the monetization of trophy bucks. You know, so now it becomes... I don't want to tell my buddies about this 200 inch deer I got on camera because I want to shoot it so that I can take my picture with my 10 point crossbow and 10 point will use my picture as their in their media and I'll get a new bow and I'll get this, I'll get that. You know, it just becomes everyone's chasing this mystical 200 inch monster deer. And it's like, everyone keeps it hush hush instead of the days of, you know, like there's this huge buck on you know we'll use grandpa's farm for example all three of us have access to hunt grandpa's farm um you know there's a big deer out there if any one of the three of us get it that's a great day yeah you know and it's just there's not that camaraderie of a team effort necessarily like all three of us will scout out there we'll see if we can get a big deer patterned and then whichever one of us gets it you better believe the other two of us will be out helping with the drag you know it's just Yeah. Well, the, the, go ahead, the, Jason. The the nice thing that, or one of the good things, I I guess, one of the things I I guess I want to mention about the media is, I have seen, with the, uh, 
I don't want to say advent, but like with the recent shift in media consumption from cable TV to, you know, people cutting the cord and going to YouTube or, you know, Amazon Prime Video or, or these other media platforms has been, there's a lot of web only hunting shows. And one of them, you know, I've talked to you guys about it before is the hunting public. And I really like, like they, they very much showcase that, um, that camaraderie, that, that helping each other out. I mean, they kind of go their separate ways and bow hunt, but then, you know, a lot of times they're going way back in. And so they're all getting together to help with the drag. They, and the other thing that they do this past gun season, they did videos on, you know, deer drives. They call them a, a wind bump. So they have a guy walk through a bedding area with, you know, the wind at his back, basically his scent blowing into the bedding area. And, you know, they've got guys posted up on exit routes. And so, you know, sort of showcasing that, that group effort that, uh, Hey, let's all get together and see if we can get a deer sort of thing, you know? And so I'm I'm hoping that that sort of thing will maybe reignite some of that excitement around those sorts of activities versus the solitary Jake, like you said, you know, I I don't want to tell anybody about this deer because somebody might come steal it or, you know, shoot it out for money. I mean, there's tons of memes about like, Oh, you know, I just saw one, you know, when you get a text from your buddy saying he's hunting your stand and it, you know, it's a, it's a rally car, like tearing down the road, you know, catching air power sliding, you know, like, and so there's like this, um, what's the word? I don't know. Greed. Yes. 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 Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's all good. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it has, it, it, there has seemed to be the shift to more of a solitary hush, hush, keep things secret and, you know, right or wrong. I don't know. You know, to, I'm sure we'll be able to look back and, you know, some number of years and say, oh, yeah, that was maybe not so good or maybe it'll be no big deal. I don't know. But yeah. it's definitely interesting. Hey, I want to pause here for a quick second to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub is an Ohio-based deer feed company, and we just really like the product. We've had really good success with it. It's uh, their their sort of premier product is their, their Monster Whitetail Grub feed. So it's a, a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in, and we've just had really, really good luck with it. They've also got flavored corn as well as just a straight mineral. So anything you could be looking for when it comes to deer feed or deer supplements, check them out. There'll be a link in the description to their Facebook page and reach out to them and try some of their stuff. And now back to the episode. So jumping back to the hunting public thing, uh, did you see that uh, video they put out last year of them, of the big deer drive they were doing in the marsh? where the one like old he was an older dude was up like they put a ladder out in in a marshy area and this guy was sitting on top of it yeah that was wild yeah like that was crazy i thought that you know you start shooting and fall off that ladder i think that was that um what's his name from the hunting beast i think the hunting beast for dan dan involved or something i think i don't know I but I saw that and it was like he was wearing a like a an orange jack-o'-lantern sweatshirt. Do, do you remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's I think it. that's Dan Infault. He runs a a a forum and a, and a YouTube channel called the Hunting Beast. And I guess that's you know that was around where he lives. I think and um yeah the 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 way they made it sound was like it was like this guy's backyard basically. Yeah, but I think that's like standard practice for them like they you know bring the ladder because you got to get up above all that marsh grass and cattails and stuff and there's no trees and yeah i i I thought the same thing though i was like wow that's 
carrying a ladder out there. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, who who's the guy who thought of that the first time? Like, oh, we're doing this deer drive. And, yeah. You know, they're running through that grass and I can't see them. And someone got the genius idea. Oh, hey, I'm going to bring a ladder and, you know, yeah. set that up in the middle of this grass. Yeah. Well, I think that's the one thing that I like about, like you said, the hunting public is they kind of take your conventional wisdom or your traditional hunting and they kind of turn it on their head. You know, like they kind of not that they started it, but they push and, you know, bring back or advertising a lot more of this stalking, you know, of whitetail. It used to be, you know, just out west you did the stalks right. and whatever. But, I mean, these guys are doing stalks on the ground in the Midwest. Yep. You know, where you're like, there's no elevation change. They're just wearing ghillie suits and crawling. And yep. it works. Yeah. You, know, no one, you don't have to be 20 feet up in the air in a tree playing the wind and this and that. I mean, they're, these guys, it's, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, we'll say. And I just like that they bring some of the different ideas and they just, you know, like you said, bring a ladder and set it up in the middle of a field full of head high grass. And all of a sudden for a drive, at least essentially you're in a tree stand. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, I mean, I know at our grandfather's farm, there's a area that was logged that is just nasty and it holds a ton of deer. And, you know, there's one knob that kind of is across the creek. You can get up above it all. And that person gets all the shots. Now yeah. that this ladder but, idea up. If but you bring that person ladder needs down to there, connect with those shots. Well, <laughs> well, that person needs to do a little Here more time excuses. with excuses. Spend a little more time with his muzzleloader and figure out what's going on. Because there's some sort of discrepancy between where I was aiming and where the bullets were going. Uh-huh. <laughs> So we'll figure that out. This year well, we will have better results come muzzleloader season this year. Also, someone needs to take more ammo. Because I, I think I recall before that drive saying, you you know, better take as much as you have. And you're like, what, three shots isn't enough? And it's like, no, take more. Well, see, lesson and then, learned. And lesson then you ran learned. out. That's right. Lesson learned. You know, I mean, we could elaborate there was another deer that got away and it was not my fault on a previous drive but that's all right we uh, all learn yeah we really did a bad job that day we, that we learned we learned, we learned. We yeah. yeah we learned we got into them pretty thick and i don't think we had much to show for it but we learned yeah yeah but back on topic another thing that i like about the non-traditional media with hunting is with with YouTube, particularly, if you have some sort of hunting niche that you're into, now you can find a a YouTuber that that does that same thing. Right. You know, you used, you would never see squirrel hunting on TV, but you know, you can find squirrel hunters on YouTube yep. and dove hunters and you know, people that do deer drives and people that stalk deer in ghillie suits. And I mean, just about anything you're into people who drive deer with dogs where that's legal. People who hunt bear with dogs, you know, anything you're into, you can find now. Yeah. Um, but that also makes YouTube's demonetization, you know, of a lot of, hunting youtubers just for the fact that they have guns in their videos all the more dangerous to hunting yeah because you know we're as a population we're kind of losing the basic small game a lot of well all kinds of hunting skills just because you know we're running out of people that that do a lot of these different unique types of hunting yeah do you guys know i mean that sort of brings up an interesting thing right do you guys know i mean i know there's nothing as big as youtube but are there other video platforms that allow that are more lenient with the type of content that they upload that you're allowed to upload yes there is and a lot of hunting uh 
you know, people have went to them, but it's they're also a lot lenient on the other content. You know, their primary market is uh, not very savory. You know, I don't want to direct people to these sites because oh. their primary markets are not very savory. If you oh, are okay. catching my drift. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only places I know of, though. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe we, maybe we need somebody. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we need somebody to... The, the hard thing is making it... Yeah. Allowing and, hunting content without allowing that sort of that like the, like you said that sort of unsavory or um... yeah i think mossy oak maybe is also trying to come out with a YouTube yeah like for a, hunting like a mo tv or something like that have you seen yeah that? Is that yeah the... yeah i think i think that's something they're trying to launch and i don't know exactly how it works um i i think right now all those people are getting you know they're more big name hunters, but I I think the idea is eventually to kind of open the platform up a little bit more. And can can users, because because the Drury team came out with DeerCast, and there's a uh, I don't I've not played around with it, but I've he- I've heard some podcasts where they've talked about it, and it seems like there's a like a. Uh, where where users can submit videos and because they've talked about seeing you know videos or or maybe it's just photos i don't know but maybe it would be nice you know maybe it's a mossy oak maybe it's you know somebody like the juries or something where they can you know where you can go for that kind of content free upload um that isn't afraid or or restrictive on gun content or hunting content or you know that sort mm-hmm. of thing but yeah so jeff did you i think you said you had another topic you wanted to cover in this one yeah yeah i just uh this past weekend over the labor day weekend uh i went to down the west virginia for a wedding and we went white water rafting and one thing that west virginia does that i don't believe ohio does that i found was really cool was uh, in whitewater rafting, like part of my bill worked into the the charge. Um, you know, the advertised price was a three dollar resource fee, which is just three dollars that goes to the state's Department of Natural Resources. To so, so you asked them about that, like, or how did you know? Because I'm assuming it just showed up as a line item as a resource fee, right? Yeah, it showed up as a line item on on my bill as a resource fee, but I knew that the bill wasn't anything extra. So it, you know, while you're on the river, you have some time to talk to your guide. And I I asked about it and he said, yeah, that's just, you know, three dollars that the ODNR collects to, you know, wouldn't be the ODNR. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The West Virginia (laughs) Department of that. He it's yeah what whatever it was whatever west yeah, virginia's yeah. equivalent is i can't yeah. remember what it is um because i think it's parks and wildlife is west virginia's okay you know it's the same but that they collect just to maintain the resource um because where where we put in to the river was uh state land and then where we took out was federal property oh, so, okay it probably goes to help maintain the the boat launch and whatever else. Um, and I did a little research, you know, because I went back and looked. And then when you try to, you know, uh, reserve a spot online in West Virginia, it shows that line item for the resource fee. And I looked at a couple of Ohio canoe and kayak liveries and they don't show a line item for that. So I don't think Ohio, you know, charges a a fee to rent or use rivers. So do you, because you used a, a service, if you will, they charge that fee. But if you were to go as say you, you, 
say you owned a raft and you went to West mm-hmm. Virginia and put your, your raft in and, and went whitewater rafting, are you required to pay that fee? That I'm not sure. I know if you live in West Virginia, you know, I, I think they're getting their money from you registering your, your boat, your raft. Right. But I don't know as an out-of-stater how that exactly works. I don't know if you have to, to you know, pay, you know, get a license or, you know, pay something or not. I don't know. I mean, that would, yeah, it seems like a good idea. I'm trying to think of any, you know, just three bucks yeah, or any so kind I, of, uh, you know, like a guided service like that is just, you know, it's just added in as another line item. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, a tiny amount compared to the trip. Right. And I, although it won't add up to be a ton of money, I mean, it, it does add up. It's money that they didn't have before. Right. Because that sort of brings up a, a topic, right, on hunters have sort of traditionally been the people that pay for wildlife resources, right? Yeah, and this hunters isn't just and an old, fishermen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hunters and fishers. And and this isn't just an Ohio thing, right? This is a this is nationally. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a good or they haven't figured out a good way to uh, I've heard them I've heard them referred to as non-consumptive users, right? Hunters are considered a consumptive user. You're you're going on to the land and you're you're taking a resource off of the land so they consider that a consumptive user there's not a good way for to i guess to gather fees or funds that that anybody is using or has figured out for non-consumptive users and you know i've heard this they've, they've kicked around this backpack tax have you guys heard of that term backpack tax no i haven't heard it before but the idea being much like, and I, and I, and I, I wish I'd have done some research on this, but I, I think that's, you know, they're talking about that on a federal level, much like Pittman Robertson. And, you know, anytime you buy guns, ammunition, archery equipment, whether you're planning to use them for hunting or not, you, whether you know it or not, are paying a, I think it's an 11% excise tax on that purchase. You don't see it. It doesn't show up on your receipt. It's baked into the price. Uh, it's baked into the price of the, the item you're buying, but that money is then used for wildlife, conservation, those type of things. And... um. In the episode that we did with Sportsman's Alliance, they talked, and I don't, I'm not 100% familiar on it, but they talked about how it's the that federal fund, the way it gets doled out to the states, is on some sort of a a basis of hunters. I think. Do you guys remember him mentioning that? Yeah. He said yeah. we're getting our full percentage at the moment. Right. Yeah. And so the the idea of a backpack tax is to try to get some funding from as as the hunting numbers continue to go down, we're losing that that revenue, both locally on on a state level and nationally on a federal level. So as as hunting numbers go down, how do they bolster that fund to continue to be able to support wildlife? in this country and, and, and support conservation. So they've kicked around this backpack tax where they would do something like a Pittman Robertson on the hunting and archery side or Dingle Johnson on the fishing side where they would tax backpacks for, per se. And that money would then go because the, the idea being you're going to buy a backpack, you're going to go camping, you're going to go hiking you're going to go bird watching and maybe have a backpack to, you know, put your binoculars in your lunch, whatever, you know, maybe you're going to go 
mountain biking and you're going to put a backpack on because you're going to stop somewhere and have lunch or a snack or, or whatever you're, but you're going to be using, uh, you're going to be recreating outdoors and participating in the resource, but not paying to do so. And so the idea Mm -hmm. of the backpack tax is, you know, put your, you know, put some money into the pot. And I think the arguments against that are not everybody that is buying a backpack is going outside with it, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are just, some kids are just buying a backpack. You know, you got low income people that they're going to pay more for a backpack now to send their kid to school because of this tax. And, you know, so that's some of the arguments, I guess, against it. You know, I think it would be nice. I think it would be interesting. Yeah. And it's, Uh, in my opinion, it's better than what the National Park Service is doing to raise revenues with, like, you know, some of their more popular parks. You know, there's an entrance fee. And for for me, that, that a little bit seems wrong because I feel it discourages people from getting outside. Yeah. You know, when when it's when you're paying that up front, like this is I'm paying, you know, whatever amount of money, 15 bucks, it it's kind of can discourage people from from participating. Yeah. And it almost kind of makes it like a even though it's a, a you know, very reasonable amount, it kind of makes it an elitist thing like, oh, I can't even, you know. I, I don't have money to go explore nature, which, I mean, nature should always be free. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of taxing all outdoor goods, no matter if it's a, you know, for a consumptive user or not, you know, because it's a little bit of an easier pill to swallow. Yeah. Especially when you, you don't even know. I mean, the, the trouble would be getting it passed once it's passed people going to the sporting goods store and buying a tent or camping gear wouldn't, you know, it's just the price is the price. It's like, you know, buying guns and ammo. You don't know that you're, I mean, unless you know, right, you don't see it when at the store, right? You don't know that you're paying that tax. It's just baked into the price. Right. I guess my, my counter argument to the argument that, oh, everybody that buys a backpack isn't, you know, isn't using it to go camping or hiking would be, everybody that goes to the store and buys ammo isn't going out to hunt. I mean, some of those guys may walk on the paved parking lot to their car, drive on a paved road into another paved parking lot at a gun range, shoot their pistol, have a great time and never step inside inside in an, right in an indoor range. Right. Step foot into quote unquote nature and they're paying the tax. Yeah, and they're actually, from what I've heard, is those guys are actually paying a large portion of it because the guys who burn through ammo aren't hunters. Right. I mean, realistically, how many how many bullets as a hunter do you go through in a season? Right. A big game hunter. You know, I mean, maybe if you got your rifle already, nothing changed. Your scope, everything's set. Maybe you put... 10 rounds through it to make sure everything's good and accurate and nothing got messed up on the drive at the most. And then you hunt. If you're a good shot, it takes one bullet. (laughs) Yeah. So at the most in a season, maybe 20, 25 bullets, you know, I would, I would say that's a lot. Right. That's high. I mean, for a hunter, right. Right. I mean, for a hunter. Right. And these guys that go to the range, they're burning through thousand rounds in a weekend. Right. Yeah. You know, so they're footing a lot of that bill and they're not enjoying the outdoors. I mean, there is crossover, obviously. There's guys who do both. There's a lot of people who do both. Yeah, there's There's probably a large crossover. But there's a large portion of people, though, too, that are just range guys. You know, they're range junkies. They that's what they do. Right. Right. They like long range shooting. They like practicing with their pistol, you know, whatever. Yeah, they have no intention of of hunting with their guns. They're strictly for personal defense, for just recreation. They they like shooting. They like the challenge of long range shooting, whatever it is. Yeah, and they have no no intention of buying ammo to hunt with. 
Right. So, so I yeah. think that I think that argument, like you said, I think that the whole I don't intend to use it in the outdoors. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they make some stipulation where if it's got over two pockets or something, it qualifies to keep the kids' backpacks out of it. If that's really an argument, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think maybe well, I think maybe Walmart just takes a little hit on their China backpacks and only you know instead of making ninety nine percent profit, they might have to make ninety five percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also I don't think they're making ninety nine percent profit. Yeah, I think maybe we're also getting a little too caught up in backpacks. You know, I mean, you can maybe exclude backpacks, but use you know all the other non-consumptive you know tents and yeah i don't know water bottles bags yeah yeah that kind of you know yeah uh, walking sticks hiking boots yeah you know maybe leave the the backpacks out of it but is there any i'm assuming there's not but there's no none of those taxes on like bikes and mountain bikes and that kind of stuff is there i don't think so i just feel like biking or you know mountain biking trail riding on bikes is becoming a bigger and bigger thing at least around here i don't i mean i don't, yeah. can't speak for like out west it might have always been huge out there but you see more of these like in the parks even they're putting up these mountain bike tracks or trails or yeah yeah there's actually a lot of them coming yeah coming into existence in parks and stuff that's another thing i mean that's a big dollar item in a lot of cases similar to you know firearms and whatever so even if yep. it's a small tax on a big dollar item that significant income yeah and we should do some like because i don't i don't really know i know firearms and ammunition and i think bows but i don't really know the full list of the types of products that are covered that that you pay that mm-hmm. that excise tax on but like you know tree stands is a, is a tree stand taxed i i don't know yeah i would assume it is but uh, yeah i don't know i would think so i mean it makes sense right the only reason you'd be using a tree stand would be to go out and i mean i'm sure there's some people that use a tree stand for something or whatever yeah whatever yeah but the vast 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 majority of people that are going and buying a tree stand are doing it to hunt so yeah interesting stuff Good conversation. You guys got anything else? Any other current events you want to chat about? I don't think so. I'm getting excited for the hunting season. Oh, that reminds me. Getting excited for hunting season. We're all getting excited for hunting season. And I saw, I guess this is just my my public service announcement. This was included in, if you guys are signed up for the, um, the National Deer Alliance email this was included in there from the tree stand safety awareness foundation and uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna give my my public service announcement on tree stand safety so they have the abcs of what do they call it abcs building blocks of tree stand safety so a is always remove and inspect all your equipment before using it so your straps on your you know if you've had your tree stand up all year, you know, make sure you're checking your straps, your your harness straps, all of that stuff. That stuff wears out, you know, squirrels chew it up, the UV weakens it from the sun. Check that stuff. They say 35% of falls involved inspection elements. So I'm I'm thinking, you know, your 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 cables, your straps, that sort of thing. Then we get into the big ones where most of the fall uh, incidents happen. So B is buckle your harness securely. So make sure you're wearing a safety harness and make sure it's buckled and, and you know, you're wearing it properly. It says 86% of fall victims didn't wear a harness. So that's a lot. Make sure you're wearing a a safety harness if you're going to hunt out of a tree stand. And C is connect before your feet leave the ground. So make sure you're using your, your, safety lines your tethers your tree straps 
all of that stuff says 99% of fall victims injured were not attached. Kind of hard to fall. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? It's kind of hard to fall after a tree if you're tied to it. Um, you know, I guess a rope could break or, or something, but, uh, so I guess I just wanted to mention in this sort of, uh, round table sort of BS session, I just wanted to mention that as we're getting real close to deer season, make sure you're being safe out there. Check your stuff, check your straps. You don't want to fall out of a tree. (laughs) I'm not saying Jacob has the most experience with falling out of trees, but you don't want to do it. Unrelated to hunting, but yes, I have fallen out of a tree. (laughs) Yes, as kids. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, who hasn't fallen out of a tree or two? But as a grown-up, it hurts more. And you got families relying on you. You know, maybe you got kids relying on you. So be safe out there. Have fun. And keep listening to the Ohio Huntsman podcast. (laughs) All right, guys. Um, Nothing else? We're good? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Good talk. Good conversation. And good luck, everybody. And there you have it. While I've got you here, just a few things. Um, As always, check out what's going on over at our website at ohiohuntsman.com. We're always posting articles over there, and uh, all the episodes are there to listen to. You can also, of course, if you're listening to the episode, you found a way to listen to it, but you can listen to it on any of the major podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anything like that. You can find us there. You can even ask Alexa to play the Ohio Huntsman podcast, and she, and she should play it. I think you have to have the tune-in skill on Alexa, and... We can also buy our, our merch there. So we've got our, our Eat Local shirts. We've got our home and Ohio Huntsman decals there, which are good for, you know, the back window of your truck. They're good for your Yeti mug. They're good for your laptop. They work on all of that. And I'm, of course, a little biased, but I think they look really, really good. So you can find that at the website as well. Follow us on social, Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. Check us out there. We're always posting interesting stuff, sharing stuff in our Instagram stories, that kind of thing. And sign up for our email news list. That way, because I don't know if you know or not, but Facebook and Instagram, they don't show you everything that you want to see sometimes, right? You followed us but you're probably not seeing all of our content. If you get on the email newsletter, then you're sure to get new episode updates and any kind of new merch that's available, that kind of thing. So if you get on our email news list, there's a link to that in the description as well. And that way you can stay up to date with everything. And as always, thanks for listening. (laughs) 